Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. I am hiding, I am hiding from my children, from my children. I don't know if they'll find me. I hope that they don't, please, because I need quiet so I can talk to you. Did you like that? little serenade for you. I am speaking to you from Friday evening. Um, in the garden are several 10 and 11-year-olds, for it is my... Third son Ray's sleepover tonight, and this weekend is fun. We've got, yeah, extra kids tonight for a sleepover, and then tomorrow night it's my newly 19-year-old son's birthday, and he's got nine friends coming over. So, wish me luck with the whole thing, basically. Um, how's everything been with you? I've been getting bits and bobs together today for a new music video for the second single from the new album, and it's a song called Lost in the Sunshine. It's very easy breezy. It's kind of about just a beautiful, blissful, hot, sunny day, of which those days will return. And so I'm very exciting. I'm heading to Italy next week. I'm going to be in Rome shooting a video, which is basically lots and lots of fun. And it's with my favourite Sophie Muller again, who I've been working with for like over 20 years now, actually. So I kind of know what to expect. It's going to be lovely. And yeah, so I've been getting some clothes together for that today. And also I've been doing this week. Uh, last night I went to a Marie Curie event and sang for them, and that was really fun. They did really well. They raised nearly half a million for the charity that night, so that's brilliant. And what else have I been up to? Golly, the week's gone by in a bit of a twirl. It feels like I start Monday and I'm like, oh, great, I can get loads done. And then it's blink and it's the end of the week again. But this is a bank holiday weekend, first one or two in succession, which is actually quite nice. Normally I get a bit grumpy about bank holidays because they feel a bit like I haven't... I feel this pressure to have organised things and I normally haven't, so they're just like an extra day of lolling. Nothing, not that there's anything wrong with that. But this week actually it's really good timing because it means I've got a bit of time with everybody and time to recover from these two, the double bill of birthday parties. Plus next weekend when I come home from my trip, it means I get an extra day back with the kids. So that all works out really well actually. And I was thinking, I'm actually on the brink of quite a... Oh, by the way, I do know I need to change the intro of this blooming podcast. It says the kid's age is wrong, doesn't it? It says they're 16 months to 16, and now they're actually 4 to 19, so very out of date. But this year is actually really significant because my youngest is going to start reception in September. My um, 
11-year-old will start secondary school, my 14-year-old will start GCSEs and my eldest will leave school and start a, hopefully a, um, a foundation course. So it's all systems go, really. It's crazy, isn't it? The wheels turn. That's what happens, isn't it? And the other day I went away with the kids, with my mum, and I was like, oh, this is nice, you know, for the first time in ages, really, I haven't got a little one, a very little one. Um, you know, no bottles, no nappies, no buggies. Of course, I thought, oh, it'll all kind of calm down a bit when you haven't got a tiny baby or a toddler or whatever. But actually, it just shifts. Well, that's my experience anyway. It's not that it calms down. It just shifts into something different. I'd say the kids need me just as much as they ever did, really. It's just different things. And, yeah, the emotional complexity of the bigger ones as well. It's sort of like, somehow it sometimes feels like a bit more, really. But it's lovely. And it's funny, earlier today, I was walking my little ones to school and my eldest boy as I say he's 19 now and I saw him walking across the green on his way to college and he didn't know I could see him and I thought golly if I just passed him in the street I wouldn't see him as somebody's kid I'd see him as just him in his own right and a grown-up and I just thought that's crazy how that happens and the blink of an eye stopped looking like someone's little boy and now he just looks like a, a young man oh, that's what happens isn't it Anyway, um, this week I spoke to Tess Daly, which is really lovely for me. I've known Tess for quite a long time. Uh, we first met when I was a teenager, actually, or at least when I was about 20. I was young, and uh, I was, at the time, having a brief and unsuccessful little uh, chapter where I was modelling. Um, I did a shoot, and she was there, and I always remember that she was really kind to me. She didn't need to be, but she was just really warm. And you'll hear when we speak that she obviously still keeps an eye on on, on younger girls coming into the same industry as her because uh, she spent a long time modelling. And her eldest two girls are exactly the same age as my eldest two boys. So that was a nice crossover. In fact, I remember, you know how it is when you have a baby and you remember who else is pregnant at the same time as you. I remember her having a baby when I had Sunny. Um... So that was, you know, nicely joined up. And obviously we also had the Strictly Come Dancing experience of uh, when I did the show and she was presenting. And I just think uh, she's one of those people who've actually, when you step... She's had such an amazingly successful career. And also she's kind of got that rare thing where she's got a, a regular job in live TV that's lasted, you know, a couple of decades. And those, you know, those jobs, those that, that having that line of work is few and far between. So... So complete like hats off to her for what she's achieved, really. And good luck to Vernon for his new day job taking over at Radio 2, the Kembury slot. He's going to be great. But yes, it was a really lovely chat with um, Tess and uh, lovely to catch up. And she's got a lovely new book out. And you don't need me to tell you. She's going to tell you. So over to Tess and I, and I'll see you in a minute for the kids. today Tess. I'm good honey nice talking to you yeah you too I was really looking forward to chatting to you and thank you for sending me your beautiful book congratulations on another oh, another book like so I want to talk to you first you. about the book actually because mm -hmm. obviously it seems health and well-being is a massive part of your life and I wondered I wondered actually where that started for you uh well I'm just I've been passionate about wellness 
for probably my entire adult life um, because it's important. Uh, and yeah, it's a real sort of hobby of mine. And that's why I was really excited about writing the book because, you, you know, I'm getting to share a real passion of mine and it's brilliant. It's like sharing the sort of four steps of wellness that have worked for me throughout my adult life that mm-hmm. are just they're simple they're easy and I want to share them you know when you sit down with your girlfriends and you have coffee or you meet for lunch and you just share all the stuff that's like important to you yeah um it feels like that you know it feels like getting the chance to sort of share stuff that you are passionate about with yeah. other people and that, that's you know that's a luxury it's a treat so yeah it's been a blast to do it I've really enjoyed it the whole process and it made me think as well, like with um, having time for yourself in terms of, you know, looking after your, your diet, your sleep, you know, feeling relaxed, feeling healthy in yourself. Was that something you've been doing since your girls were little? Because I do think sometimes when you've got young family, that can be quite tricky, can't it? Oh, it's so tricky. You know, I think as as women, I think we sort of tend to often li- not neglect ourselves, but we are last on the list of everything we have to do and everyone mm. we've got to look after in our lives and all the responsibilities that we have and all the balls we're keeping in the air. Um, it's sort of, you know, it feels like we are, we're last on the list really. So I think, I think it's really important that we look after ourselves so that we can look after everything else that we do need to maintain and everyone else that we need to look after in our lives, you know. So it feels like... Yeah, it feels like a priority for me because I think if we're not there, if we're not there for ourselves, then you know we can't be there for anyone else, can we? I think that's really true, actually, because I think sometimes you feel like having those moments for yourself and prioritizing yourself can feel like time when you're taking away from all the other things that are pulling on your time. But actually, if you've made that priority, then yeah, as you say, you can actually be better equipped to deal with all the other stuff that you've got to deal with. Exactly. Because if you haven't slept enough, you're not going to feel like you're going to, you know, you're just kind of, you're not seizing the day. You're just getting through the day if you haven't slept enough, if you haven't got the energy, if you're not looking after yourself, if you're not sort of fit enough. So that's why I talk about these four steps in the book, because for me, they are simple, easy steps that we, you know, we can incorporate into our day without too much effort. Mm -hmm. Five minutes we might spend just, I don't know, doing an online yoga class, just moving a little bit more for fitness and flexibility, for example. That's one of my steps is movement. And, you know, it's if you can just spend five minutes in the morning, maybe five minutes at the end of the day as well on yourself, you will benefit for it. And it's just all about those simple, healthy habits that we can we can fit into our busy lives and we can maintain them. You know, it's all quite accessible. It's not preachy. It's practical. Yeah, it's definitely like a not bit, bit of a manual. Because if, you know, if these, if we don't sort of take on habits that are easy to sustain, then we'll just let them fall by the wayside. Because yeah. everything that's difficult tends to get <laughs> yeah. kicked to the curb, doesn't it? Definitely. <laughs> because we're too busy with everything else. So I wanted to make it sort of really accessible and just easy, easy to follow stuff that just, you know, small small steps for your health that just make you collectively make you feel better. Yeah, and I think you're right. It's, it's accessible and easy, but also really supportive. And mm-hmm. you've also sort of given some insights into times when you've maybe felt like you were a bit depleted. And there's one bit where you spoke about when you were presenting and you must have, this must have been when you got, so you've got now got two teenage girls, but this must have been when they were really yeah. little. And you said you had went for like a 10 minute nap before you yeah. were doing Strictly. And then you actually yeah. sort of ended up having this big knock on the door, like it's time to go down to the studio <laughs> I floor. Know. I mean, that was 
the biggest sort of period of sleep deprivation in my life, becoming a new parent. I'm sure parents can relate. Um, new babies in particular aren't that fond of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> Phoebe, who is now 18, she, yeah, she didn't sleep sort of for the first three and a half years of her life. And I had to go back to her. She just didn't want to sleep. She just wanted to wake up and socialise and <laughs> <laughs> all night. Uh, so I remember I had to go back to work sort of six weeks after um she was born and yeah I just I was just so tired from waking up three or four times a night when you've got that awful broken sleep and I was in my 30s then but it was still tough you know what I mean I was I had a lot of energy but even so if your if your sleep is broken three or four times a night it's brutal it's like torture isn't it it's you the just worst it's actually it's the, worst. the worst and all you and think about when you wake up that, is all the things you've got to do that day that are going to be that much the harder things you've got to do <laughs> It's like the to-do list is so daunting when you haven't slept, isn't yeah. it? And you're just trying to get through the day, counting the hours down until you can try and get some precious sleep again. And I remember, yeah, going back to work after six weeks. And it was tough, you know. You're like breastfeeding and you're pumping, expressing the milk so you're not going to lick. You, I mean, it was all, all that's going on. And just not having slept enough. So, yeah, I remember once being in my dress, being really tired, lying down and just sort of falling asleep. And the next, you know, oh, you're on. Knock, knock, oh knock. <laughs> and, it, and it's, I mean, you do it because you've got to, thank goodness for sort of live television because the adrenaline of that is like yeah. rocket fuel. It's wonderful. It gets you through everything. I'm sure you know that from performing, you know, it's like that, <laughs> that adrenaline, it's, it, it is your friend. It gets you through everything. Definitely. Um, but, but that was rough. And going through that sleep deprivation as an, as a parent, it just makes, you know, you realise I cannot function like that again yeah. because it was really, really tough. So sleep, I think, is just so important. Most of us aren't getting enough. Um, quality quality sleep is really important because, you know, it's where we, we reset ourselves, we recharge ourselves. It's how, you know, our immune is affected with a lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. Our well-being, our skin is affected, you know. It's sort of, it affects everything. So, yeah, I think it's super, super important. So... I have a lovely little sleep routine now that helps. We, we talk about sleep in the book. I talked to a sleep expert who knows the science behind sleep, Linia Patel. She's a very clever lady. And so she sort of sleep trains athletes and all sorts of people, NHS workers. And, yeah, she's brilliant. So there's lots of brilliant sleeping tips in there because sleep is everything. It is. When you've been without it. Yes. And I was thinking that maybe... So both your girls are teenagers. And actually, I realised... I think I already knew this in the back of my head, but our, my eldest two and your children are born exactly the same time. So 2004, oh, really? 2009. Yeah. Yes. So identical. Yeah. And um, firstly, it's quite exciting, isn't it, when they get older? And I know. It's funny Driving, how... Driving, unis, all that is... Exactly. Yeah, and it's funny how it morphs, because I don't know about you, but I, fa I think when you... When you're first introduced to the world of parenting, you know, that, that bit of when they're little, I mean, it's incredibly busy and visceral and intense with all the things you've got to do. But I actually think the bit when they're older is so complex and they still need you as much, but you've got to sort of do. navigate this new new relationship where you're where they're mm -hmm. evolving to and also where you are as well and keep it all in the present tense so it's not all like well I babied you like this and that's how I remember you being really sweet at that age and then you sort of lose the threads of where they're at mm -hmm. so how do you mm -hmm. find it having your girls growing up yeah it's 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 like a minefield having to negotiate like how to do that properly because you can't 
be too preachy with them because then they're just going to naturally back away from that it has to feel like they're you know they're reaching their own decisions in life and you just need to advise them and and sort of guide the way gently <laughs> subtly um but yeah I totally agree with you that it, it is like you're almost needed more isn't it as, as they get older because they you know there's that they, they need more life advice they need more I don't there just seems to be more kind of I don't know there, there seems to be sort of more, more mental hand-holding really if you like and and it's just yeah it's amazing really how much you are needed yeah um as they get older and so it's a learning curve I think as you get as you go through it you know every every new stage in their teenage life is a learning curve and we were joking Amber now is she's 13 and we were joking when she turned 13 that she was probably going to start snapping at us because she was the world's most ethereal. Like, her nickname was the Little Buddha. You know, she <laughs> just cradles babies and small dogs and, you know, is often picking flowers. She's very ethereal, very sweet. And we were like, Amber, you will never start snapping, will you, when you turn into a terrible teen? And, yeah, the other day she was snapping at us and we laughed at her and she laughed, She just stopped and laughed at herself because she realised <laughs> it's just the hormones, it's just the way it is. And so, yeah, we can, we've got great relationships with our girls and they are brilliant girls. Um, but, we, yeah, we learn as we go, like everybody else on that, you know, on that parenting journey because every step is a new step and your child starts to drive Oh, that's a whole new minefield. You know, I'm like, I've got, I've got that app Live 360, and I track Phoebe on it. Literally track her like obsessively till she gets to her destination, because she's a new driver. And the relief when I see she's reached there. So yeah, you never stop, do you? You never stop parenting. I mean, honestly. No. I don't I know. know when that kind of like all seeing eye ends. Is it when they move away from home? I'll still be worrying. Oh my but, yeah, goodness. It is what it is. And you too. wouldn't change it for the world. No, you no. wouldn't. And you kind of understand, don't you, suddenly, like the dynamic of how our parents must feel about us as we were growing up. And yes, yeah, I put my parents through I a lot, know. actually. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Did you? I, yeah. Oh. And there was no Life 360. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, there was no just, oh, she's still not home. <laughs> I, I, Coming I, out. Yeah. Mm. <gasps> Yeah. I know, there was no way of finding where we were at that point. There weren't even mobile phones. I know. And actually, I think the last time I saw you, we were having a bit of a chat about your teenage years and how that was the time when you were actually travelling the globe and with your yeah. modelling career going off and having all these independent, you know, mm -hmm. independent travel, staying away. Um, yeah. I mean, how formative is that experience? That was, I mean, it was wild. I remember I was 17 and I was in living in Tokyo for a few months and like I said there were no mobile phones in so I literally had to arrange with my parents that I would be in my apartment in Tokyo on Thursday night at seven with the time difference we had like a two-hour window when they could call me and I had to be there no matter what because I had to be on the other end of the phone because there were no mobile phones I mean they lit that, that was, and I had to wait all week and think Thursday I've got to be in at seven because that's when they're going to call me so it was different then um yeah, I'd get on like bullet trains and nobody would speak English. The signs would be in Japanese. And the only way I could time my journey and know when I was getting off the stop, because the stops would be in Japanese, of course. Uh, the stations, uh, was I'd set an alarm clock. I'd have a little alarm clock in my back and I'd set it because those bullet trains in Japan were famously always on time. So I'd set it, 10.30, we arrive. Um, Osaka, for example, I'd get on the bullet train and we go there and I'd set my alarm. And that's when I'd get off at that stop, hoping it was on time wow. because there was no way. So, yeah, you were really on your own at that point. It was just 
I'd never traveled abroad. I'd only, you know, I'd never eaten sort of foreign food, never mind raw fish, sushi. So it was a big learning curve and traveling the world. And that's sort of between the ages 17, 18, 19, I lived um, in Paris and uh, in Madrid, Barcelona, Tokyo. Um, and it was just, it was amazing because I'd never really traveled. And it was such a brilliant cultural experience, soaking all that up and living as a local, not as a tourist. And that life experience was, it was Oh, it was amazing, I think. I mean, it really sort of taught me a lot about people. I met some wonderful friends I'm still friends with today and just meeting people from different cultures. And, yeah, it was... I, I wouldn't change that for the world, actually. It was yeah. brilliant. I suppose it's an interesting... And I think it's just the way that modern life is now that you've got, on the one hand, you travelling around in Tokyo trying to time your journeys and hoping you're at the spot versus yeah. watching Phoebe <laughs> drive to her destination. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. She's only going 20 minutes. I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> It's ridiculous, isn't it? It is, but I it's guess... It's so ridiculous. You know, if our parents could attract us around then... Loosen the leash, loosen the leash. Well, if your mum um, could attract you on in Tokyo, seeing the little dots... Oh, she's yeah, she's she, reached a she shaka. She would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's there. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh. actually, I don't know if it's if there are many parallels, really, but I was thinking it's funny because I grew up with my... My parents both working in TV and my mum doing live TV when I was yeah. little. And I thought, I wonder what your... Because I didn't really realise until I was looking probably at the dates that your... So your experience of presenting Strictly is it pretty much exactly the same time you've been a parent, right? So what was happening when you, had, yeah. when you had Phoebe? Was that when you... Mm -hmm. So was she born when you started? It, it was series... She, yeah, I was pregnant with her series one and then had her between series one and two. Wow. So, yeah. And... Um, yeah, so she's. It's always been there for her. You know, yeah, it's been there. Um, she was in the womb, and the Strictly theme tune is playing. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what she's uh, like me with the Blue Peter theme. Just like, I wonder I what guess. the association is for her with of with course. that theme. You and, hear that? And, and I wonder like, if she oh, had a moment where she's like, "Oh, not everybody's mum is doing that on, on the weekends." Yeah, That's I know. It's the, funny. Yes, I remember when she was little, and I would be at work and. She'd watch with her dad and she used to point at the telly and go, why is mummy in that box? <laughs> why is she so little? <laughs> why can't I see her? She's little in that box. Um, yeah, that was when she was very young, obviously. But uh, yeah, I guess for, like, for you as well, I suppose it's just what you do, isn't it? Yeah, it's just normal. Very much so. Really. Uh, well, it is normal. you've lived with. It's normal because... and then you realise it's not, it's not what everybody's doing, but then you sort mm. of re recalibrate because there was yeah. a time where my mum's job had... It was, like, really brilliant currency in the playground. And I would definitely oh. exploit that aspect. <laughs> sometimes literally, like, selling Blue Peter badges. But sometimes more brilliant. metaphorically. Like, you know, finding it, it kind of... I don't know, made some social things a bit different for me. Like, I literally would introduce myself by saying... I'm Sophie and my mum presents Blue Peter. But I'm not saying your children would be as crass I mean, as that. that. I think I was just quite... Blue Peter, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it just, it just it? would make people like be a little bit more open to chatting to me. So I would use that. But then it yeah, would... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If but then it would me a badge, we are BFFs. But I think for you in, in being in broadcast, I was thinking like mm. there's, there's very few jobs in in live telly that have got such longevity and it's a little bit of a holy grail and I think also mm -hmm. not only have you had this brilliant prime time you know well-loved show for a long time but also I think it being live makes a massive difference 
Because I think yeah. live telly is the best because it starts at a certain time, finishes, and as you say, you've got that adrenaline. But for you yeah. as a host, what is something that is going through your head that maybe people at home wouldn't understand is what you're juggling? Well, I, I love live TV because you can't fake it. It's so real. Mm. It only happens once. And nobody can say, can we just... There was a plane flying over. We picked it up in sound. Can we just say, can we do that whole conversation again, please? And when you, you know, when you have to do it again, you never get that same moment twice. So I love live television for that reason. Everything is happening in real time and it's absolutely genuine. Mm. It's not contrived. It is real emotion. Anything could happen. Yeah. Often does. Um, so for me, I love that. I love the adrenaline because it just puts me right in the moment in the flow and anything that puts me in the moment I love because you know obviously we're always so bombarded with everything outside of us all the time you know we're at the mercy of our phones that are constantly demanding our attention everything demands attention so when you are in that you're forced, forced to be in that moment um I remember as a composer talking about this moment being in the flow mm. it's like it, you it that live moment demands that you are absolutely there. And so it's it's like almost like not meditative, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant for just focusing you completely. So, yeah, I really enjoy it for that reason because it demands complete focus, um, which is rare in our lives because we're always multitasking, aren't we? Yes. I mean, I say that, but I'm still multitasking because someone's talking in my ear. <laughs> what now? Saying, okay, let's oh, move I think on. Meant, I think you meant now. Uh, <laughs> like wow oh no not now during the telly yeah <laughs> that's just enough. you honey uh yes yeah, so I enjoy it for that reason um that it just sort of yeah it demands that focus and I, and I love it when you sort of have to be right there in the moment because that's kind of, after all that's where the joy is isn't it you know what I totally um, only be in the moment more often well I think there is a privilege in that actually and I don't think everybody gets to experience that with their work and I think that thing as you say of being totally focused mm. I think there is a, is a meditation in it and I think particularly if you're someone that maybe is not very good at, like for me, like the actual mindfulness is not something that I can, I've ever been able to access. But then I realized mm -hmm. that maybe I've got other ways of, of doing the same thing to my brain in a, a different yeah. way. Because when I go on stage or if I'm doing something live, that thing of just letting everything drop and you're just in that moment is really crucial to my well-being. I, I really, mm -hmm. I really understand that. Um, yeah, it's special, isn't it? It is special, and that's why for me, like I've got, like I've been trying to meditate for, for for you know many different occasions, and there are moments when I think I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there, and then you think I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm nearly there, so I'm not there yeah. because I'm still thinking and I can't stop the thoughts because <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it, to stop those so thoughts? So difficult, and yeah, that's why breathing. I've got one of the four steps in my mm. book is breath breathing because conscious breathing. Now, this has been a game changer for me. It is this. It is so simple to do and to access and it is almost meditative because it puts you in that moment with minimal effort you don't have to stop the thoughts because you can count you can close your eyes but you can count your inhalation count just count on the in-breath on the inhalation close your eyes for example count to three on the inhalation and then count again maybe a little bit slower maybe to four or five on the exhalation so you're breathing in you're breathing out you're counting how many how long it takes for you to inhale, how long it takes you to exhale. And if you do that sort of five, six, seven, eight, nine times, you are in the moment. Your mind is calmed because you are counting on your breath. You're thinking about your breath. You're totally focused on that. Your thoughts are not wandering and it calms your mind. It calms your system. Your whole body sort of just calms, you know, it calms, it calms those spiky 
cortisol hormones and all those stress hormones. You can use it to put yourself in the moment and calm yourself in moments of stress. I do. Um, you could at night. I use it as sort of as a as a sleep tool to help me just wind down and stop the to do list playing for tomorrow. Instead, concentrate on the breath, and I just concentrate. You know, I just count the breath, count mm. on the inhale, count on the exhale, and it is absolutely brilliant. I swear, within a couple of minutes, you are centered. And for me, it works as a real mindfulness tool. I cannot recommend it highly enough, and it's free. It's easy to access. We all do it. We all breathe, <laughs> but we're not very conscious of how we do it. You know? No. And so, there's a, yeah, there's a whole section about breath in the book because I think it's re- it's so interesting how we breathe as well. Whether we breathe sort of nasally at night, we breathe through our mouths, and there's so many interesting facts about no- nose breathing versus mouth breathing, for example. And I worked with a, a wonderful breath expert, Rebecca Dennis. Um, she's a best-selling author. She has. She runs breathing breath workshops and um, we worked together and she just sort of taught me about the benefits of nasal breathing over mouth breathing. And, you know, you breathe through your mouth at night, for example, you might have a cold and you wake up and you've got a dry throat and a dry mouth and you've been breathing through your mouth, but your skin is also really dry. Um, me, you know, I'm at an age now, I can see that if I, you know, and it's because we lose like something like 40% more water we, we from our bodies through breathing through our mouth at wow. night it really dehydrates us 40 we'll lose 40 percent water breathing through our mouths so therefore it dehydrates us it's not our skin looks terrible as a result we are dehydrated our nose has not filtered the air we breathe which is more beneficial for us because we've been breathing through the mouth it hasn't filtered you know the bacteria the viruses in the air we might be snoring more we've had a less restful sleep just by breathing through the mouth so it's just really interesting like breath as this whole kind of like brilliance like it's like it's like a sort of a i don't know it's like a a super tool we've got inside of ourselves that we don't use very much so yeah i I completely agree it's really interesting hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style And it can actually flip the script as well of how you're feeling mm. and how much control you feel and how centered you are. Exactly. As you say, exactly. in stressful situations. And I yeah, think even um, if you're just driving, you know, you can sort of breathe in, breathe out a little bit, and just just put yourself in the moment with that with your breath. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we just need to just get back into the moment because everything is bombarding us quite a lot, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> and actually for kids as well, it's I think that's something that people are, are, are equipping children with mm-hmm. better now is how to center yeah. themselves in that way and um it's a really powerful tool as you say if, if helping with sleep but I know that breathing is something you can actually it sounds ridiculous but you can completely sort of take for granted how you breathe and actually not even think of it if things are escalating you can sort of forget and get into bad habits without actually yeah, checking so yourself true. am I getting enough oxygen 
Am I taking mm-hmm. proper deep breaths? Because when exactly. you start to, you can easily just do very shallow breathing and then get very panicked. Mm-hmm. Most of us do from yeah. the chest when we're like stressed. We breathe. We, we yeah, we breathe shallowly. And there's also that kind of like we stop. We stop breathing. Like it's like. Have you heard of email apnea? When people are emailing, I know I'm guilty of this, mm-hmm. and you're typing, and then you realise that you're sort of holding your breath. Oh, yeah. Until you hit send. I bet you've done it. I bet you've done it. <laughs> Just notice, next time you're sending an email, and I bet you notice, you'll hold your breath. We do it. We do it when there's a demand on our time, and we're doing a task, mm-hmm. and we tend to sometimes hold our breath, and it isn't good for us. It is not good for us. We are breathing too shallowly from our t- chest. We should be doing it from our diaphragm, from our, our gut. Mm-hmm. Better for us, much more efficient. And we are guilty of holding our breath way too often. And again, it's not good for us. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a business. I think it's business in our lives that makes us do it. You know, we sort of tend to hold our breath until we've completed another task. You know, not for duration, obviously. But you will notice that you have some <laughs> moments of just holding your breath. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's and actually years ago, um, I used to have panic attacks when I was sort of in my early twenties, and mm. I went to see um, a hypnotherapist. And one of the things that was really good for me was learning how to control my breathing when I could feel myself starting to wobble. And mm-hmm. it's something that I've carried with me to this day. And if someone's mm-hmm. starting to panic a bit. If you try and mm-hmm. do th- three times the ex- exhalation for your inhalation, it just starts to regulate your mm-hmm. oxygen and it really calms you down. Um, so you make the exhalation last three times longer, yeah. do you mean? So you Slower. Might, yes, exactly. Yeah. Just so you're... Right. Because when you're um, panicking, you start to hyperventilate and you're breathing quicker and that's right. what can make you get too much oxygen and you'll get that's when you get that sort of like feeling a bit lightheaded and like you're moving a bit out mm-hmm. of sync with what's going on around you. So if you can just regulate your breathing, you can often ground yourself again because it's that sort yeah. of fight or flight action, but yes. without anything you're actually fleeing. So your body's doing mm-hmm. what it thinks it needs to do, but actually if you're not actually panic, if there's nothing that's immediate, you know, there's not a dinosaur about to get you, not a dinosaur. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's say something, like a saber-toothed tiger, it would have been, I guess. <laughs> then, you know, you, you, you're, you're not, if you're not actually fleeing that, or a fire, let's pick something a bit more realistic for now, um, <laughs> <laughs> then it's like you're... Your body goes into that action, but you yeah. don't need to if you're just having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. That's, you, you've just got mm-hmm. a kind of whatever is the, the bit. Uh, and it's just useful having that, that as a tool, you know. Mm. It's useful having something so you can just nip it in the, in, you know, you can just nip it in the bun, just stop it from escalating. Yes. And just ground yourself and know that you are in control of those thoughts. Yes. And um, when we're talking about feeling a heightened sense of uh, panic, and that the, I would say... That when I did Strictly, I found it, I still regard it as the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And no I remember, way. I remember and at you one were brilliant. point. Oh, it's so scary. And there's one point halfway through where I said to my manager, Do you realize quite how terrifying this is? And he said something to me like, But what a privilege. What a privilege to experience. <laughs> You're not you know. doing it, no. <laughs> privilege. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's so brave, though. You know, I think you're so brave because. Yeah, you've stood up in front of audiences before and you sing in front of thousands of people. But putting yourself out there, you know, when you're doing something that's kind of out of your comfort zone mm. and every and you know, you've got 90 seconds live to impress. What if you forget your steps? What if you don't exactly what if you fall over? You know, you can't do it again. And that would yes. be where the terror like lay for I, I yes. totally get it. It's so brave. It must be funny. Did you enjoy you? it a little bit? I loved loads of it. I loved loads of it, but it must be <laughs> funny for you when you see people that you know. 
and they're in that state. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I know. Sorry. I just want to stroke them <laughs> and feed them sweet, rub their back, and it'll be okay. I promise uh. you'll be brilliant. But I get the terror. I did it once myself for Children in Need with Anton. We we danced um, and for Children in Need live, and honestly, I've never <laughs> known terror like it. My mouth was completely dry, mm. and then I understood yes. why people, you know, they always come over to me and they they're like, the yeah, lips you can't get your teeth, teeth down. Mm-hmm. Like you can't close your mouth anymore because your teeth talk, are because their mouth is dry, <laughs> pure terror and nerves. And I totally got it. I was like, you are so brave. Oh my goodness, I have a whole new respect now for every celebrity who takes part. It never gets normal. But as you well. were brilliant and a natural dancer. Oh, thanks, so thank you were fab. Yeah. You were. Well, if we can go back to your lovely girls, did you always want to be a mum? Was that something that was always important to you? Um, do you know, I always sort of, there was a, you know, I had that sort of subconscious feeling that I would always be a mum, but I wasn't one of those people who planned it. You know, I didn't see sort of little cute girly dresses and think, one day when I'm a mum, I'll dress my child. And I never thought that really. It sort of took, for me, it took meeting the right person, which was Vernon. I met him and I thought, oh, suddenly, you know, I can see it. I can see children. It sort of felt like, it hadn't felt like the right time. And I'd been, I don't know if that was just because I was being selfish, living all over the world uh, and travelling, working in the fashion industry. And it was never the right time because I was never settled in the right place with the right person. And then I met him and it suddenly felt like, okay, this is, and biologically, I think I was like 31 then. So my clock was probably going, tick, tick, you better find someone. Um, Subconsciously again, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that consciously. But it just, yeah, so... I don't know. I never planned being a mum, but I guess I thought I, I I don't know. I just, there was, yeah, I thought I would be one day. Yes. We never feel ready for that, do we, really? I mean, I don't know, but then it happens and then it's the perfect time. Never seems like the perfect time, but then when it does happen, it it sort of is. Yeah, I know. Um, And I think meeting the right person can be that thing where it's like, ah, I want to have babies with you, actually. Yes. Um, And actually, how many have you got, Sophie? Four? I've got five. Five! Yeah. God, you are amazing. It's enthusiastic, isn't it? <laughs> Five. From ages 18 to... Yeah, so Sonny's going to be 19 next month. and 19? then oh, the little he? one. Yeah, and then my little one is four. He turned four in January. Oh, so it's quite a wow. lot. <laughs> yeah, that's 20 um, years of indoor play centres and parks. Yeah, and nurseries and, and all of that stuff. And um, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just quite crazy. But I quite like the juxtaposition of having the old and young sometimes because like my so Sonny did his first driving lesson the same week that Mickey started nursery and I quite enjoy sometimes those like it's quite clunky but I like it I like the spread yeah and it Um, can be a brilliant help for you because you've got the perfect babysitter well that's the theory it hasn't manifested as much as I imagined (laughs) (laughs) that's the theory yes (laughs) okay but um But when, um, actually, when I had my third, so you said you were 31 when you, is that when you met Vernon or when you had your baby? I think I was, yeah, I was 31 when I met him, yeah. So I had my third when I was, I think, 32, 33, and I would say that's the first time I was actually broody, which sounds Mm. odd because I'd wanted to have the other two, but I didn't experience that biological clock until that time. That was when I was like, I could feel almost like a shift in my brain and it became Mm -hmm. like all my thoughts kept going to that. And I was like, why do I keep doing that it was yeah. almost a little bit annoying it's like you kind of all thoughts keep going towards like yeah you'd see strangest babies and go I'm levitating <laughs> yeah, <want> exactly <laughs> <laughs> and so did it always seem to you like but I, when I have my when I've had my babies I'm going to keep working I mean I, I get from you such a strong yeah. work ethic 
I mean, I mean, I never thought about not working really, but then I would envy. But um, yeah, I remember her being friends who sort of had a whole year off maternity leave, and I think, oh, you're so lucky if you, if you don't sleep tonight. It's not, it, it's okay because you don't have to go to work. But obviously, you know, they have different challenges, and you know, they probably thought perhaps I was lucky going to work. But it's just, a, it's just juggling and balancing it all, really, isn't it? That we're always striving to do. Um, I didn't think about not working because you know, work was sort of I enjoyed it, and I needed to work and uh, I had a mortgage to pay and it it was also one of the I enjoy work you know it's sort of one of those things that define me and I've worked hard to get the work that I have and had at that time and so yeah I didn't really think about giving it up because it was just something that I enjoyed but you know I would have I probably would have worked more Mm -hmm. had I not been a mother without a doubt because I you know I just didn't want to miss out on um, all those lovely first moments that you have when you're a mum as well like I don't know whether it's the first PE day, the first sports day, the first, you know, whatever it is, and Harvest Festival, all those things. I just carol service and they're doing a speech and I couldn't not be there for that. So I probably did work less because, you know, being a parent does demand that, something that you are around. Um, and so it was, yeah, it's just been juggling that ever since, really, juggling the work with the parenting and trying to make yeah. it all work. Yeah. Show my girls that you can be a mother and you can work and, you know, you're trying to have it all. <laughs> You're really trying. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you do your best. Yeah, you do your best and try and make it work. And what about your parents? Were they? Did your mum work as well? My mum did work, yeah. She worked into, uh, I think, until retirement age, until the 60s. And she made it work, even when she'd sort of come home on her work break and sometimes give us sort of lunch at home. Um, and, yeah, she always made it work, actually, and just got on with it. And kind of made it look easy I suppose I'm sure it wasn't easy but she didn't complain and uh I guess that should, you know that you, we live what we learn don't we definitely so whatever our parents do and that is the norm for us then I guess we tend to repeat those patterns ourselves yeah and also um, it helps give you permission sometimes to to have the time yeah, for true. your work and to raise and to, your kids and to feel like it's okay, you know, this is the family of life I came from too and I have good relationships mm-hmm. or, you know, I worked out all right or whatever it may be, you know, it can kind of help. Yeah. I know I, I take a lot from my childhood and how my mum worked, it definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would have been as brave, actually, if I hadn't had that ahead of me. I, th- I don't think I could have been someone to maybe necessarily be that brave about cutting a new path if I hadn't had yeah. that example. I think, I probably I think that's really, and I think shattered. that's brilliant as well. I think that's one of the greatest thing we can sort of give to our children is that kind of, you know, teach them to know that they, they, you know, not only their self-worth, but the power to chase their dreams and that, you know, it, it is possible. Yeah. Whatever they want to do, it is possible. Make them feel, you know, that possibility. Uh, and, and if we sort of live it ourselves and sort of, I don't know, we just go for it and get on with it and just show them that, you too can do this you yeah. are capable and you know everything's possible you just got to put your mind to it and I think that is a real gift actually that parents can pass on to the kids definitely and can we have a little minute um, to talk about your lovely dad because his, he came up in so many of the interviews when I was researching you and oh. I'm sorry to hear that it, I mean it must have been so extraordinary for you that he no. died so soon after you got married I know and I did. He, he walked me down the aisle and he was determined he was sick at that point and but he was absolutely determined to make it to our wedding and walk me down the aisle and he did and then he died while we were on honeymoon about 13 days later and that was oh gosh yeah that was a 
that was awful. But, you know, I'm great because he was such a brilliant dad. And I, the, my greatest regret in life is that he was not around to meet his grandchildren because, you know, he would have adored them. And I really, oh, yeah, I, I just wish they could have met their granddad because he's such a brilliant man. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's it's what it teaches when, when we lose someone who has always been, you know, someone who is just such an integral part of our lives. It's just we take for granted, but they are one of our very pillars of existence. When that pillar is removed and they're gone and it's just so final, and you've never experienced that before because up until that point, I'd lost grandparents. But, you know, losing a parent was whole new, like, oh, it was just, it, it, it it's just huge. pulls the It's huge. It pulls the rug from under your feet and you yeah. can't believe they've gone. No. And, uh, but it, what it does teach you is to really value, you know, life and that it is temporary and that we really have to seize it because, and we have to enjoy every moment because my dad used to always say to me, you know, we're here for a good time, love, not a long time, and we're a long time dead. And I, that's not to sound morbid, but yeah. he, you know, he used to say it jovially with a joke, a laugh and a joke, because he was always full of fun with a great sense of humour. But, you know, it stuck with me because it's true, isn't it? You know? Yeah. We don't know what's around the corner, any of us. And so it, it, what what it taught me losing a parent was that, I, you know, you've really got to appreciate now, because none of us is forever, and we've got to, you know, we've got to make the most of every moment and just... It taught me gratitude, really, more sort of gratitude for what, you know, for, for, for the gift of life that we take for granted. But when you lose someone, suddenly you realise, actually, it, it's not. It's not forever. It's not, you know, none of us are eternal. And so we might as well have a good time while we're here. That's true. And also, I think when I first I, I I'm sorry you lost your dad then. I think you, losing a parent is huge. And, mm. you know, it's something that, um, you know, we know one day it will happen. And then when it does, it's just like... It's like everything stops for a while, and mm. I just think the continuation of just because they're gone doesn't mean that you stop loving them. And actually, that mm. legacy of love has become something that is informed where you're at now. And even though your girls didn't meet him, there will be a continuation of what he put in all around you that becomes mm -hmm. part of their present. And I think that legacy of the love that is created in that relationship is really mm. significant. I think that's like the the best thing that come out can come out of that the, the grief you feel so true has, has, is actually it's the continuation so of that love yeah and that's what you find reassuring actually and that's what keeps you smiling the memory of them you know and everything that they gave you and all the gifts that they left that you didn't realize at the time that you were learning from them and what yeah they, you know what they sacrificed what they gave you what you look it's just yeah it's just it teaches you all of that you know and it sort Definitely. of reaffirms all of those things that you've sort of you know you might have taken for granted but actually no they're gifts and we've got to be grateful for them and also if you say he's got a good sense of fun that's maybe part of the childhood that your kids have had as well so there's like ways that the strands yeah. continue you know it makes up building but it makes up part of you and you pass it on to your own children and it's the cycle it's it is true yes yes well I'm glad we got to speak about him because he sounded amazing but I was also thinking mm -hmm. for you that thank you to get married and then be on honeymoon and then lose your dad and then have a baby the next year and then start Strictly, which becomes mm -hmm. part of the next nearly 20 years. All of that stuff is a lot. That's a, that's a very yeah. intense period of time. It sounds a lot, lot of highs and lows. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. An awful lot happened. Yeah, 2003, 2004. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it's funny, isn't it, when we look back on that bit when we've got our first baby, especially, and life has gone whoop, and then you think, how did I have the energy to do mm -hmm. all those do. things? 
really push through. Do. Yeah, when you're feeling <laughs> yeah, all so at true. sea. And actually, well, you've done it five times. Yes. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> a level of as I say, enthusiasm that's not for everybody. It's, but, it's um, amazing. Yeah, you no, have the it's, most energy. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think you've seen not just me being terrified on live telly, but my mum, because I think you and Vernon presented. It takes two that my mum did. As a duet show. Oh yes. She was with Alexandra O'Neill. And I was in the crowd. Oh my I actually you know what I said strictly was most terrifying thing. Pasadoble week particularly. But one level up from that was the nerves I felt being in the crowd watching my mum about to do something. Oh I was I thought I was going to be sick actually. Really? Yeah, because I couldn't help her. I couldn't do anything. No. And it was she was just after the um she was coming up first, and I think there was, like, I don't know, VT showing or something. Mm-hmm. And I could hear her practising on the stage over and over her opening line. And oh I just was gosh. thinking, please don't let this go wrong. Oh, my goodness. Even now, you can see I'm, like, clutching my face. Like, the draw. Yeah, you're singing <laughs> with Alexander O'Neill. Oh, my gosh. She's a soul legend. No pressure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah wow. wow. Was she terrified? Had she told you she was yes, nervous? Yes, she was. Te- oh, yes, definitely. Mm. So nervous. Yeah. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, it's next level. But she did well. She did actually. She got through it. Um, it went. For, she didn't go out that week. Um, one of the judges you were, was you it. The drummer really from there. Police was it? Stuart Copeland that was one of the judges. Yes, he was really horrible about her. So if I ever he see wasn't. Him, yeah. No, yeah, I will never feel. I don't. So me and he I'm was like a pussycat backstage. I'm he an was elephant. Like the sweetest. Yeah, if I, I get see it. Him. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Stuart, like, how no, could he, you? He compared her to like a cat singing or something really awful. He did not. Not acceptable behaviour, Stuart. Um, what? <laughs> there was I thinking he was Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> Maybe in real life. No. Oh, no. That's so mean. Nah, I bet she okay. was nothing like a cat. <laughs> nothing like a cat. I bet she... <laughs> no. No, she was a lovely, lovely singer. She's got a nice voice. Um, yeah. What was the other thing? I was, so, at, at the moment, what is else is happening in your in your world at the moment? Obviously, you've got your new book, but what happens in this period of time before before you hit summer and then it strictly starts and then it's Christmas? <laughs> well, I've been so busy with my book. Oh my goodness, that's been like a year in the making, and for it finally to come out, it's like it's here. Yeah, that's, that's a big it was deal. like giving birth again. It's like <laughs> a third child. I swear, it was like painful. It was painful because I had to like put myself under house arrest to finish it. Do you know what I mean? Because of all constantly distracted it took me about six months to come up with a name um but uh the rest of the time what now oh gosh lots really i've got um i've got a business as well i've got a swimwear company with my best friend gail and we have built up from the ground from the kitchen table um a sort of swimwear resort line and we're really proud of it it's called naya beach and we we launched it in a pandemic didn't know it was going to be obviously didn't know travel was going to be illegal when we brought out our range of swimsuits (laughs) you can buy it to wear in your backyard because now you can't go on holiday um yeah it launched like literally summer 2020 bad timing but despite that the fact that holidays were then illegal um yeah it's gone on to sort of great success when we've yeah we've um we've gone from strength to strength and we're really proud of it so that takes quite a lot of my time because i'm now a genuine businesswoman like i li- literally you know we are we are emailing each other within the company from 5 30 in the morning the emails start till about 10 at night i tend to not look at my emails after nine i refuse unless <laughs> that's it's very good it's not, I, I just won't take any work emails from nine o'clock because otherwise that stops me sleeping. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It gets in the way of like rest, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So I don't even look at my emails past that time. Um, 
and yeah uh so i work on but i work on that a lot because when it's when you've got a business it it doesn't sleep mm. it doesn't work without you it doesn't sleep and someone always needs an answer from you but it's brilliant because you get to be creative and design stuff and you know i can see a swatch of fabric on a bag down i'm walking down portobello road on a saturday at the vintage market and i'll see a fabric so i'll go oh that would be amazing on a caftan. You know, so you get inspiration of when you get to be creative and have this wonderful input, which is, that's exciting. You know, it's quite exciting. Um, having worked, you know, in that fashion world for so many years, mm. I did before I got into television. So it sort of feels like it's come full circle. So that's fun. Takes a lot of time. Sound like I'm moaning, but actually it's brilliant because doing, it's, 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 no, no, you know, I'm sitting fantastic here feedback and we're proud of it. So that keeps me quite busy. And then everything else, we're life. I don't know, I'll be doing meetings. I might do a voiceover. I might do a photo shoot. I might do whatever, mum stuff, lots of mum stuff. <laughs> uh, in my mind, I'm just always mum. You know, it's the mum list that's on my diet, on my phone diary, everything, like every hour I've got a mum, mum chore, book haircut, book dentist, make sure uh, new shoes for this, for, you know, new, football shoes for whatever Phoebe's got into football so you know the mum list is what keeps me mostly busy and sort of work <laughs> work is time to round that I hear yeah. you I hear you yeah well before I let you go I just want to say thank you because I first met you we first met a really long time ago um I think we met in something like I might have been like 99 maybe no 99, way something like that because it, it was when I was modeling actually I don't we, it was a, we met as sort of like it was like a fanzine type of thing and you were doing mm-hmm. a photo shoot um not as a modeling thing you were being interviewed you were like mm-hmm. the the celebrity part of it and I was doing a little modeling shoot for them and I don't remember exactly what it was but I remember oh, you were yes. really nice to me um oh. and I was yeah I must have been like I think I was about 20, 19, 20. And mm-hmm. as you know, modelling can be quite a lonely world, actually. Yeah. And quite often you don't really can. get, don't really often get like spoken to directly like that often. I, well, that was my experience mm-hmm. anyway. It would be mm-hmm. a kind of a, right, you're here, turn up, put these things on, do this, and then you can leave kind of thing. And it was, yeah. I just felt like sometimes a little bit, a little bit invisible within the clothes. Yes. But you yeah. took time to be kind to me, and I really appreciate oh, that. And I've never forgotten. How could it. I not, you little sweetheart? <laughs> <laughs> how oh. could I not? I used to give talks to the new faces when I was modelling, and I, you know, I was a bit long in the tooth. I've been doing it for like ten years at that point, and I would do talks every week at my model agency to the new girls who just sort of started, and they didn't, you know, they they were quite naive and they didn't know how to sort of go on the castings and how to sort of you know get from A to B and how to be when they travelled the world and what was... So I, I would just give them sort of, you know, I'd, I'd give them little chats and i do these talks and I still meet girls now, who are ladies now, and they're like, I remember when you did that chat on, you know, on the Friday and, and I remember that you said this and it, it was brilliant because it really helped when I was travelling the world and I was lonely and da-da-da-da. I found myself in a place where no one spoke. And, yeah, so that was... I love that because... You know, you've got you've got to share the love and the compassion because you're out there on your own, aren't you, in that world quite a lot, like you say, and it's quite scary at times. Definitely. I remember That's brilliant Paris, you just did made that. me plan de Paris, cantering the streets, often lost in the suburbs somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So it was quite so it's quite nice sharing the advice when I sort of lived it and done it, you know, because I got it. That's actually really, really kind of you and really supportive because I think I think getting that sort of mentor mentoring is something mm. that's quite often absent in those experiences. So I bet all those girls do remember all that. That's brilliant. Oh, that's really lovely. That's, 
<laughs> well, I sat here very impressed, actually. You've got so much going on, and I can't believe you've managed to create a successful swimwear brand that started in summer 2020. <laughs> I think that should be somewhere on the label, like when you look inside, like, if it can work for summer 2020, yeah, it can work that. for always. <laughs> Exactly. That's like amazing. True. <laughs> yeah, that was the ultimate test. Thank you, honey. Well, I just love chatting to you. I think you are the biggest inspiration because you're a mum of five. I always say if I had one more child, I'm not sure I'd ever be able to leave the house. <laughs> Again. No, uh, you so kids, respect you just, um, to you. You're if spinning you have those five plates, kids, honey. You just start a podcast so you get to lock yourself in a small room. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's that's the clue. And actually, I love the fact the whole time we've been talking, you've got that massive Iron Man, the invincible yeah, know, Iron yeah. Man. Look at that. Yeah. Just you should put a little, like that. Put a little cut out of your face on his head. Boom. That's you. <laughs> the birth Iron of the woman. power. We're all Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> Wearing that little invisible cape. Exactly. God bless oh, have us all. Have a lovely time, Thank you so much. Thanks, love. It's lovely been an talking joy. to you. Lots of love. See Bye. you soon. Oh, thank you so much to Tess for speaking to me. And uh, yeah, she does actually look incredible. So I think I probably do need to incorporate some of her health and well-being tips in my life. It's funny, I used to always not really have too much time for things like facials. And actually, I've got really bad with... I, I do, I keep active, but I'm not doing my exercise classes like I used to. But I'm wondering if maybe now that I'm like my mid-40s, maybe it's a good idea to get back into something a bit more regular. What would you recommend? I'm sort of thinking about maybe doing like weight training type things, just to kind of like build build a bit more strength. No, I do feel quite strong though. I have to lift a four-year-old quite often. I feel quite strong, but I don't know. I know a lot of people where their backs go and that kind of thing. I don't really want to be stuck. I want to be able to do my jumping about on stage. That's what I want. <laughs> I've got my first festival tomorrow. I'm off to Brighton to sing for a little festival called Foodies Fest, which is really cute. I've done them before. And it's a bit of a sort of a new, what's the word? It's a bit of a, not milestone, that's too strong, but it's a bit of a thing to be doing the first festival because I know I'll be doing them all year until sort of autumn, really. Uh, and I can't quite believe we've got around to that already. I do think festival season is a bit longer now than it used to be when I first started gigging. But even so, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. And then, yeah, I've got lots of lots of lovely festivals coming up. So if you're coming along to one I'm doing, then give me a wave. <laughs> I'll give you one back. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the sun will shine. That'd be nice. But in the meantime, have a really, really lovely week. And um, thank you as ever for finding me here. Uh, sorry about the strange singing at the beginning, but I was just in that kind of mood. And any minute now, I'm going to be located and I'm going to have to go and feed all these extra young boys I have in the house. They're actually being really sweet. I think it's going to be smooth sailing. I feel like I should have a little um, add-on bit I record tomorrow where I tell you how little sleep I've had because of the sleepover. But so far, I'm feeling quietly optimistic. I will promise to give you a little bit of a catch-up as to whether my optimism was misplaced or not. <laughs> All right, look after yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love talking to you and just having a bit of a ramble chat with you. So thanks very much. All right, speak soon. Look after yourself. See you soon. Bye, bye, bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.